I'm going to turn to Matthew 24, a very familiar text. Verse 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. This statement made by our Savior is in the midst of a discourse called the Olivet Discourse. He was on the Mount of Olives, devoted primarily to the events of the future. He was asked specifically by his disciples what would be the sign of his coming and what would be the conditions at the end of the world. And in the midst of this series of words and statements that he's making about events which had not yet transpired, he pauses and says, the heavens and the earth, they shall pass, but my words will not pass. It is a statement by which he is seeking to underscore, and perhaps I should even say authenticate, these words so far as the future is concerned. He was emphasizing as emphatically as he possibly could that what he was saying was certain of fulfillment. It would come to pass. He said earlier, I have told you before it comes to pass, that when it comes to pass, ye may believe. But now he's asking us to believe before it comes to pass, simply upon the authority of his own word. And in these last weeks, since things have happened in the Middle East and the whole Christian world is somewhat in turmoil and a great deal of confusion and the fundamentalist world is turning to the scriptures and appealing to the prophecies, these statements of Jesus Christ should be of very great significance to us all. And what I propose to do is to take this statement of our Lord and see the contrast and then the degrees that are in it, and then the similarities that we find in other statements of the apostles in reference to these same things concerning our Lord. Our Lord is saying that the most important thing that exists, not just on the earth, but in the heavens, the most important thing that you and I have any relationship to do uh, to, to any relationship with or anything to do with is the words which he spoke. Heaven and earth will pass, but my words, they shall not pass. And when you look at that, he's asking you to take a glimpse at the sky as far as you can see and then on as far out as men themselves can possibly imagine. He asks us to look at the little globe in which we stand and the little a solar system of which we're a part, and he's telling us that these things are going to be dealt with, they're going to pass as we know them, they shall be changed, they shall be folded up as a garment. He says all of that will take place, but 
what I've said to you here in these messages that you've heard from my lips, they will never pass away. There are many references, and I understand Dr. Richard delivered a very splendid message to you to the ordinances of creation. The Bible is full of these references to the sun and the moon and the stars, and he made the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And uh, the Bible is full of all these mighty and glorious references to the wonders of God's creation about us. And we're told that God created the heavens and the earth, and by his word, they were brought into being out of nothing. And we look about us and here we see it and the Lord says, would you just please take this earth on which you dwell and if there's anything that does seem secure to us, it is the fact that the earth is here and it moves with such precision and such accuracy every day and the sun comes up on schedule and the moon always appears when it's supposed to appear and we have a degree of security in the physical ordinances which sustain our very existence. And the Lord says these things will be changed. They will pass away. But the words that I speak unto you, they shall never pass away. And beloved, when you take the words of our Lord and he laid his hand on that Old Testament and he said the Scriptures can't be broken. And he said all things which are written in the law and in the Psalms and the prophets concerning me must be fulfilled. And beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. And when you take my words and see what he had to say about this book and about the messages of the prophets and the promises and the commitments he made to the apostles, uh, we have before us in our hands a book. A book. We call it the Bible. We say and we believe it is the Word of God. But in this blessed text which we have before us just now, Jesus Christ puts the earth and the heavens over on this side and he puts his word over on the other side. And he says, if you look at this and study it, remember that will pass away. But if you look at my words and study them, remember they will never pass away. And if you have a choice, beloved, here's the earth with what security it offers to us. And here's the book with the message of redemption which it presents to us and of the two which is going to abide the longer. And of the two, which choice are you going to make? Are you going to take the earth and the things which are earthy? Are you going to live and die by the things of this order and the things of this world to which we're committed by our birth and by our very existence? Or are you going to live and die by some words that fell from the lips of Jesus of Nazareth when he made these stupendous claims that the heavens would pass and the earth itself would be changed, but his word would never pass away? And when you take that text and you put the creation on this side and you put the revelation of redemption on this side, it is the revelation of redemption in Jesus Christ that we have as our final security. And here you have a created earth. And you and I have never known anything but this little earth on which we live up to the present time. And we're bound by its ordinances. We're bound by all the creation glories that are about it. And we do delight in this world. But believe me today, Jesus Christ says, this earth will pass away. But my words will never pass away. 
And beloved, those of you who are seated in this church and those of you listening to the pastor over the radio have in your hands the Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures. And this holy book, which is the Holy Scriptures, the Scriptures of the Old and the New Testament, is the greatest single possession that we have upon this earth. All the earth itself is not worth the treasures that are in this blessed book for our souls and for the blessings of eternity. This is the book that God has given us. Now when Jesus Christ says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away, he wants us to go even a step further and recognize that even the creation was brought into being by his words, the very words that he says here, which will abide beyond the passing and beyond the changing of the heavens. And the Lord at this point is insisting in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he was before all things, and by him all things consist, and by him was everything made that was made. And the very word that created the heavens and created the earth is the word that fell from his lips, and it's the word that we have in our possession. So you can understand what he means when he says, heaven and earth will pass, but my word will not pass. The word that created the heavens the word that gave us the grandeurs and the wonders of creation, that is the word which we now have and which fell from his lips. And, beloved, we're dealing with deity. We're dealing with the Son of the living God. We're dealing with the one who entered this old world that he might lift us up out of our sin and bring us this message from heaven so that we could be reconciled and brought back to God. Now the Apostle Peter. Will you turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3? Speaks in these very same and identical terms. And along around verse 5, verse 6, verse 7, all through there. But I want you to know verse 7. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved under the fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. And he's just previously in verse 5 said, This they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the waters and in the waters, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. The apostle Peter is telling us in this great passage that the word which created, the word which fell from the lips of Christ, it's the word of God that holds all these matters in store at the present moment, and these ordinances are maintained by his word, and they are kept in store against the great day of the judgment of ungodly and wicked men. And it is the word of God which is preserving us, 
preserving this creation which is under God's curse and wrath to that great moment when the judgment shall stand and by this blessed word men and nations shall give an account of themselves to God Almighty. Just think, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Oh, beloved, when I come into this pulpit and I stand here before you Sunday after Sunday in the presence of this blessed book, we have in our hands and we are expounding to you, we are giving to you this message which will never, never change and don't let anyone tell you that it can be improved upon or we must adapt it to our problems or to the problems of the 20th century. This is the word that Jesus Christ said would never pass away and it abides steadfast and true in order that we might have moorings, we might have a foundation upon which to stand, we might have a security in which we could rest our souls for all eternity, and we could believe that God is true and that God's promises will be perfectly fulfilled. In this third chapter of Second Peter, will you look at it for just a moment? When we read it for the scripture of a little earlier in the service, And you know, every time you read the Bible, something else seems to stand out. But that little word, beloved, beloved, that's in this third chapter, just burned itself into my ears as, as the Scripture was being read. Just look at those places where it's, where it's found. Take Second Peter chapter 3. This second epistle, beloved. I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the... Now, what is it we're going to be mindful of? Words. Words. The words of the holy prophet. These men who wrote the Bible weren't deceivers. They weren't crooks. They weren't forgerers. They didn't put the name of Daniel on their writing just to make everybody think that Daniel got some credit for something they didn't write or he didn't write. These were holy men. Beloved, I write the second epistle, and it takes its place alongside the first of them. Both of these epistles I have written to stir up your pure mind. You Christians who love God and who love the truth and who love purity, I have written this unto you to stir up these minds of yours so these thoughts will go through your minds and these ideas will occupy your thinking and these concepts will take hold of and possess you and this glorious revelation of which I'm going to speak now will be such a delight to you that you'll praise God for it. I'm going to stir up your pure minds. All right, would you look down to verse 8? But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. Not one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Beloved, don't you be ignorant of this one thing that this day of grace in which we find ourselves represents the long sufferings of God and he is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. 
And this day of grace is here right now, beloved, if you're lost and you're outside of Christ, that you may come to repentance and that you may find the life which only God has to give in his Son, Jesus Christ. Now look down just a little further at the next, beloved. And in verse 14 we read, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found in him, in peace, without spot, and blameless. He's just earlier said that we're looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God. He says, Beloved, seeing that ye look for such things. Now, why do we look for such things? Because we believe that the words which were spoken by the prophets will be fulfilled. And why do we look for such things? Because Jesus Christ said the heavens and the earth would pass away, but my words would not pass away. And this great text is buried in a marvelous passage that deals with the end time and with the consummation of the purpose of God for this old sinful world. Now please look at the fourth one down, verse 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, seeing, beloved, that ye know these things, you've been told them, you believe the Bible's true, you accept what the Bible says about the coming of the Lord, seeing that ye know these things before they come to pass, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. And, beloved, in these last days, people are being led away by the error of the wicked. And they're stumbling and they're falling and they're turning away from the things of God. And we see it on every end. People who formerly stood have weakened and they've compromised. And finally they go back and say, well, what difference does it make anyhow? Beloved, 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 four great beloveds in this passage in Peter in which he's dealing of this coming great day in which he says the heavens will be on fire and the earth itself shall melt and you have the final great judgment of which the Bible speaks concerning the sinners, the sinners of this old world. Now will you please turn back to chapter 3 verse 1 and read it with me. Let's just go down it together. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you. This is why he's writing. In both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. And Peter puts himself in as one of the apostles, and furthermore, he includes his word on the same level as that of the holy apostles, or the holy prophets. The holy prophets, the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, knowing this, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust. And beloved, he says, this is one of the first things that you must wake up and realize that in these last days these scoffers will arise. And they will walk not after the prophecies, not after the commandments of the apostles, not after the revelation, not after the word of Christ. They'll walk after their own ungodly lust. 
and they will say, where is the sign of his coming? You fundamentalists are talking about the signs of the end time and the Lord's going to come and all these things are taking place now concerning Jerusalem. Where is the signs of his coming? And that's the kind of scoffing that we're being subjected to today. And then we read on, for since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. This they are willingly ignorant of. Here's the creation, beloved. And they look at it and they're just blinded to the evidences of God's handiwork. And they won't listen to the scriptures. They're blinded to what God has promised to do. And so here they are, willingly ignorant, sitting here in their darkness and scoffing at you people who have received the light and have the knowledge of Jesus Christ and believe his blessed word so far as our hope for his coming and the consummation of the age is concerned. And you and I right now are living in an hour of scoffers and darkness and blindness, but God has opened our eyes and we have been willing to believe what he has been pleased to give us through his son, Jesus Christ. How honored and how privileged we are. Last evening I was talking to Dr. Bob Wells, who's speaking this week, and he's just come from the West Coast in California. He says, Carl, he says, I never saw so much seething out there. He says, this, since this thing has happened to Israel and since the war in the Middle East, he says, the conservative company out there, they're just seething. He says, you never heard so much discussion, so much uh, counter talk back and forth. And he says, so many, many of these conservatives are revealing to us that they don't know the Lord. They, these conservatives are letting it be known that they don't know the Lord. They don't understand the scriptures. They don't understand the prophecies. They don't understand what God is going to do when Jesus Christ comes again in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And then Dr. Wells went on to say, he says, I'm preaching on these things too. And he says, we've got the greatest opportunity now to evangelize that we've ever had. Not only to speak to the unbelieving Gentiles, but to speak to the Jew who is puzzled and who has been suffering. These are days when you and I can bear witness and you and I can testify to the grace of Jesus Christ and to the blessed word of God. This they are willingly ignorant of. Beloved, there's absolutely no excuse for a man looking at this creation where we are and saying there isn't any God. The heavens declare the glory of God. And if you don't see it, you are blind. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Please take any precious little flower, if you will. Take anything. Take the snowflake. Take the fish of the sea. Take the birds of the heaven. Take anything that God has created. Take yourself. Take your little hand. Take your little eye. Take your little ear. Take the hairs that of your head are all numbered. Not a single one of them can fall to the ground without the Father in heaven knowing it. And the same is true of the little sparrow that falls in the rainstorm. I, beloved, beloved, there's absolutely no excuse for a man looking about. And here are the great arguments. They're valid. They're true. Every house is builded by some man. And he that built all things is God. These are the arguments from design. These are the arguments from being. These are these great arguments. And Peter saying this they willingly are ignorant of. And then he goes on after he speaks of this matter of the creation. 
He continues and he says, By the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. And that undoubtedly is a reference, of course, to the great flood in the days of Noah. And here we have an account of the flood because it's given to us in the Bible. It was a judgment of God upon the sin of the people of the generation of Noah. And Noah was the preacher of righteousness, and he and his family were all that were spared. And Noah built an ark. And as it was in the days of Noah, it shall be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And the Lord Jesus Christ says, Heaven will pass away, earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And I think it's one of the most interesting, interesting, I wouldn't call it a coincidence, of course, I almost said that, but it's one of the most interesting facts of our day that in this terrific assault upon the Bible that's being made right now, in our Sunday schools and in our church pulpits and now in the literature they're studying in the public schools, the first 11 chapters of Genesis are called myths. That's where you have the flood. That's where you have Noah. That's where you have that story. And there never was any flood. This they are willingly ignorant of. They deliberately say that the first 11 chapters of Genesis are myths. Adam was a myth. Cain and Abel were myths. Seth was a myth. Read the first 11 chapters of Genesis. The fall of man was a myth. The Garden of Eden was a myth. All the things are just stories. And then you come down to the judgment of the flood and Noah and his ark. It's one big, tall story. This they are willingly ignorant of. Jesus Christ said, Heaven and earth will pass away. My words will not pass away. And then here comes Peter, and he comes along with the holy prophets, and here he comes speaking about the word. Look at this, please. Verse 5. By the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. <clears throat> Will you turn, please, now to First Peter? And at the close of the first chapter, beginning with verse 22. Seeing ye have purified yourselves, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. For all flesh is as grass. Now we're getting down to the earth again. And all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof fadeth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. 
And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Beloved, it is this seed, it is this word, it is the very message that Jesus preached and offered from his own lips which has in it the power to give to you and me the life that will never, never end. All flesh is as grass, look at it, it passes away, and all the glory and the flower thereof, all the genius and the accomplishment of man just added up is like the flower of the grass, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word, beloved, which you are hearing now, which by the gospel is preached unto you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Now turn back, will you please, to the third chapter of Second Peter. And let's go on with this as we move down into verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away. This is down at the very, very end. Heaven and earth shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Oh, beloved! Now that we know that the word will abide and the heavens and the earth shall pass away and these things are going to be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? Are ye living for this world or are you living for eternity? Are you working in time or are you dedicated to Jesus Christ for all eternity? Beloved, seeing that all these things are going to be dissolved, what manner of people ought ye to be? What manner of people? How you ought to live, how you ought to give, how you ought to work, how you ought to sacrifice, how you ought to just turn loose of everything as it relates to this world where things are dissolving and changing and passing away and commit your life, commit everything you have to the great eternal realities of Jesus Christ. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Now will you turn, please, to the 14th chapter of John. And here in this great, beloved passage where Jesus Christ says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And how we love it and how we believe it. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Beloved, these things are going to be dissolved. They're going to pass away. And all that will abide, all that will remain, all that will be worth anything at all, will be the word of our living God and the redemption which he purchased for you on Calvary's cross. Then turn down, he says, I'm going to leave you. And in verse 14, he says, I will not leave you without comfort. He says, I'll come back. Yet a little while and the world seeth me no more. A little while and the world won't see me anymore. But ye see me because I live, ye shall live also. 
At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, in ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not pass away. And furthermore, I'll love him, and we will manifest, I will manifest myself unto him. Oh, that Christ may come in and that he may manifest himself unto us. And we know that when we shall see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now let's go on with this great passage. Jesus answered, verse 23, and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my, what? Words. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. My Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings and the words. In verse 23, it was words, words, words. That's what it is in Matthew, the 24th chapter, our text this morning, my words. But then he takes all of his words and puts them in one great glorious document, and he says, the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. Now I'm going to leave you. And when I go, you'll have my words, and you'll have my word. And it's going to abide. And when I tell you about my coming, you be ready. <clears throat> There's two other matters I just want to touch on very briefly. But down at Cape May, we have this historical tour that I, I love to take it. Because we have history down there that just is magnificent. But you go over to that cemetery in that Cold Springs Church, and I take the people over there. You know what they say about me down there at Cape May? It's rather strange. They say, when you come to Cape May, Dr. McIntyre will take you to the cemetery. They kind of joke about it. But you go over there, and here's this church goes back to 1714. And the first man ever ordained in the New World by Francis McKemmy and his presbytery John Boyd preached in that little church down there. We've got history. It's just tied right in there. You just can't get away from it. But there are certain things, and I don't know whether I've mentioned it, but there are certain things about that cemetery, and this is one thing I want to mention. When you go around that cemetery, there are two great things that you see. On all the older tombstones, almost all of them, there are verses of the Bible. They're there. And I often comment about those verses. People look at this and they read this and they read this and they read this and they read this. I says, keep on reading them because you won't find the Revised Standard Version here. No, no, it's the King James Version they brought over with them back there in those days. And the second thing that you find out about those tombstones, it's the most interesting thing. So many of the names of the earlier settlers were Bible names. Hannah, Jeremiah, John, Thomas. Just name them, scores of names. And you can go through that cemetery. I've been all around that old section and there's one name that you don't find. One name. I think everybody's there. But they don't have the name 
of Peter. Peter isn't there. John's there. Thomas is there. James there. They're all nobody was named Peter. And that's reflective of their persecutions when they left as pilgrims and the Puritans of the old world. They left that church-state relationship of that old world and Peter was tied in with Rome and the Pope and nobody called their children Peter. Just look at it. If anybody can find the name Peter down there, I wish you'd show it to me. Not there. But they named their children Mary and Elizabeth and Rebecca and Sarah and these Bible names with these Bible texts. But, oh, beloved, when you look at those tombstones and you read those scriptures, someone said to me this week, Dr. McIntyre, a person could read these tombstones and get saved, couldn't they? I said, the gospel's on the outside of these tombstones. But when you read these tombstones, you find words like this, Be ye also ready, for in an hour that ye think not, and beloved, those tombstones there, a hundred years, two hundred years, there's one person buried there that was born three hundred years ago. And those tombstones have these references to the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ. And I shall awaken his likeness. And in fact, I think I'm going to go down there one of these days or get somebody to do it for me and just write down all the scriptures of that, of that cemetery and see what sort of a, a Bible I'd come up with. Because the Bible was in the hearts of these early settlers 200, 250, 100, 150 years ago, and they named their children by the names of the Bible characters. Samuel's down there, Jeff and I's down there. You can just look at them and you walk through there and you say, What kind of a world did these people live in? Seeing that all these things are going to be dissolved. What manner of person ought ye to be in all godliness and holy conversation. And beloved, that's what you and I need today. And when I take this new confession that the Presbyterians have, and I realize that in that new confession they have this, this monstrous statement concerning the Bible, the scriptures given under the guidance of the Holy Spirit are nevertheless the words of man. The words of man conditioned by the language, thought forms, and literary fashions of the places and times at which they were written. No, beloved, they are nothing of the kind. The scriptures are the words of God, and Jesus Christ said, heaven will pass, the earth will pass, but my words and its plural will not pass away. And everything that Jesus Christ said shall abide throughout all eternity. And beloved, this little earth and the little heavens that we see, we can see the handiwork of God and we can rejoice in God's power, but I tell you people right here and now, this blessed book that I hold before you in my hand is the most valuable, it's the most precious possession on the face of this earth, and the greatest treasure that any man ever received is the Word of God. And this is the Word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Believe it. Let's stand for it. Let's preach it. Let's teach it to our children. Let's rear them in the truth. Everything's going to be dissolved. What manner of person ought ye to be? Let us pray. 
Our Father and our God, we thank thee for this blessed message taken out of this great prophetic and eschatological passage. And as we see the signs of the end times upon us, and we see a great church with which we were formerly associated saying that the scriptures are now the words of man, oh, God forbid it. And may thy people realize what's involved. And may thy people now take a stand and come out of this apostasy by the hundreds and by the thousands. And Lord, may we preserve a remnant here who will look and wait for the coming of our Lord. Amen.